Get your hands dirty with The Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Classic hits at Coast FM. Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy on this Saturday morning. Welcome to The Gardening Gang. Good morning to Sherilyn, and how are you cooking, babe? I'm cooking pretty good, and you're looking pretty good. Good morning, Pete. We're talking about things to cook too today, but mm. I just want to get this little plug in here for our sponsors. Over three years now they've supported the show, and that's Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs at Wyoming, and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows at Berkeley Vale. Now, I would call it the, uh, the product that has changed the Australian palate. And okay. we're referring to... Garlic. That's Absolutely. it. Garlic, yes. Uh, yes. Did you eat garlic when you were growing up, Pete? No, not in our family. We were very much the uh, the Aussie roast, maybe a bit of rosemary, mm. more tomato sauce than garlic, I think. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit younger than you, so I remember it a kind lot. of being... <laughs> Being introduced, so and uh, I was brought up. Part of my upbringing was in sort of what, what's called the inner west of Sydney now, around there, around Leichhardt, Lilyfield, those sorts of places. Had a lot of friends that were from uh, Mediterranean regions, and it kind of was starting to get introduced that way. I'd go to friends' houses, and here you go, a plate of spaghetti bolognese, something Mum would make, but not with much garlic, you know. And these things were, well, to my palate at the time, overladen with it. And garlic bread wasn't a thing. Pizza wasn't really a thing much back then either. I'm really dating myself, aren't I? (laughs) But I remember my mum embracing it and starting to add garlic to the family meals as well. So it sort of came up then. I am talking about the late 70s, everyone, which is when garlic really took off in Australia, Pete. Well, the point of the exercise is today, why should we or how can we grow our own? Because if you go back to those days mm-hmm. that Sherilyn's referring to, nobody had garlic in the garden unless no. it the Italian uh, peninsula there. That's right. So you we're going to talk about that today. We've got a couple of people to talk to. In particular, there's a chap called Peter Donnelly from Coachwood Nursery, which, uh, you know, it's a lovely spot on the coast. Mm. And he's a bit of an authority. He is. Pete's been on the show a few times. He grows amazing organic veggies up there at Coachwood. Of course, that's also one of our nurseries that grows and supplies dried flowers for the Australian flower industry too. They're a fantastic couple, Ruth and Peter. But Peter is all about garlic today. So he's got his insider tips, particularly for those growing garlic on the Central Coast. You can do it. There's an old saying, plant garlic on Anzac Day or around Anzac Day and you'll be eating it come Remembrance Day and that's in November. So before Pete, we've got a song here that relates to garlic in a fairly obtuse method. Uh, What do you think about this one? The song is called Crush. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) Coast FM, the gardening gang's underway for yet another day. Coast FM, Pete and Sherilyn this morning with the Gardening Gang. The theme today, growing garlic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter Donnelly from the Coachwood Nursery uh, is a task master at garlic growing. You heard of him? I have. We know Peter. He's one of our (laughs) wonderful local nursery people. Hello, Peter. Hello, Sherilyn. Hello, Peter. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Now... Garlic, where does it start? We all like garlic in our meals, whether it's a Chinese, whether it's a bit of Italian, whatever it is. Mm. Garlic goes with anything except it. ice cream. Although they do have yeah. less garlic ice cream, don't they? Do they? I think so. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Some, ever tried that? Well, I've had a bit of garlic in my cereal by, by default, you know, when you use the wrong chopping board. And you, oh. uh, 
You need to devote a chopping board for garlic and other things savoury. Uh, if, if you try and cut up fruit and then you realise, oh, no, I garlic. <laughs> it goes everywhere. Now, this is the time of the year, I've been told from experts, to uh, start planting your garlic for the uh, for the season. Yeah, we normally, plant, we normally start planting about the middle of March, but you can go as late as sort of the end of April, maybe early May. Mm-hmm. Um, reason being, you need a long growing season to get a nice big, garlic bunch so we we normally do it about the middle of march we're a bit cooler up at summersby because we're elevated so it depends on the weather cooling down and then Mm -hmm. you start to so maybe down at saratoga pete you might still be able to plant your garlic down there it was an orchard area so there's sunshine all year round yeah i'd say down at saratoga you could easily get away with it now Uh, (laughs) i wouldn't leave it much later than even in saratoga i wouldn't leave it much later than about the first week in may so at Coachwood, what sort of garlic are you growing successfully there? Over the years, it's taken me about probably six years to work out the right one for us. Mm-hmm. And I tried a fair few different ones, and I've ended up growing one that I call the mudgy hardneck, because in garlic there's hardneck and softneck. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a technical term. It just refers to the plow stalk and the stem, whether it's hard or soft. Mm-hmm. But looking back, it's a really nice, big, very strong, pungent uh, purple purple out of skin garlic and I find it's the best one for us. Mm-hmm. It's po- very possibly the same one that they call Tasmanian purple. Ah. That's the variety we grow. We find it grows really well in our climate so that's probably the one I would recommend purple grow but you can certainly try the other ones. There's an Italian white and there's an Australian something or other Australian white. And Pete, uh, being a new gardener, I don't know much about where it starts here. Is it like a, a little root you start with or a yeah. seed or a... Yeah, well, well, you can, it's as easy as starting by just getting a, a garlic clove and normally you can buy a full a full corm, what we call a corm, which mm-hmm. is the, the, the one that has all of the cloves around it. Yep. You normally buy in the shop. Um, I wouldn't probably recommend getting the ones from the shop unless you know they're organically grown and they are grown in Australia because the ones you in, that are imported from overseas have been treated and they just won't grow very well. So start with a, a, with a, a corn and then just flip the little bulbul off the edge. Yeah. Going back before that, you have to prepare the ground properly so you need good, well-drained, you know, depth of soil about 30 centimetres if you can and plenty of organic matter. That's what we find. Organic matter, we use aged spell manure plus crushed rock dust, have it prepared and have it slightly healed up because one thing the garlic do need is good drainage. Mm. Your growth season is through the winter and then you're harvesting them about November. Yeah. When they're in active growth, you have to have them uh, reasonably well watered but not too over wet. That's why we have them raised up, just to avoid drainage problems. So have the bed ready. Uh, you space them about oh, 150 mil, six inches in the old scale. Mm-hmm. And you can have the rows about 30 centimetres apart. I normally plant a, a three-row crop in about a four-foot bed, mm-hmm. one two metres wide. And it's a hilled-up bed, and I normally plant about 120 a year just to make sure I've got enough garlic for the family for 12 months because when you harvest them you harvest them in November dry hopefully if it's too wet you probably you know it's harder to dry them because the, the whole process is a is an annual cycle yeah. and you have to hang them up dry them and make sure it's dry enough for them to dry properly yes and normally we're lucky because normally in November 
late spring, November, December, when you're drying them, it is fairly, it's one of our two driest months, which is really good for garlic. Yeah. So no extra feeding or anything like that? You just sit and forget no almost? Extra, no extra feeding, but what you can do, you can give them a bit of a foliar feed with uh, liquid seaweed or, mm-hmm. or fish or something like that throughout the growing season, and that helps. And I mulch them. You can, in fact, you can you can mulch over the bowl if you want to, mm-hmm. even up to you know almost almost sort of four centimeters in depth. And they and the little corns will come bursting up through the mulch, and that just helps to keep them weed free. And uh, yeah, normally you only take them you know, a week within a week or two. You're seeing little spears come out of the soil, which is a real joy to see happen. Yeah. And then you know they're up and running. Have they got any kind of um, pests that love them, like foxes or... Foxes? Why would a fox want to eat some garlic? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know what a foxes will eat garlic. There's nothing nothing much will eat them. The only thing that can eat them is um, rats will have a little bit of a, a gnaw at them when, they, when they're very young. So when, when they're very young, they're vulnerable. We have rabbits here as well, so I have to actually net them to stop the rabbits coming in. Ah. Garlic-loving rabbits. <laughs> Garlic-loving rabbits. <laughs> 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 but there's, there's, there's not much in the way of caterpillars and things. They're pretty much, because they have that elicin in them, which is the active ingredient, mm. it's silly. Yes. Not many things will attack them. Uh, Peter Donnelly, we're talking to Peter about uh, growing garlic. Peter, have you ever, ever come across a person, a human being, that doesn't like garlic? Uh, only the vampire class doesn't <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who doesn't like garlic. Yes, yeah, so I find people, the same thing, yeah. Some people don't like the, the garlic breath, mm. so I guess that might put some people off. Um, but you can easily get rid of that by just chewing fresh parsley. Yeah, or, or make the other person eat garlic. That's yeah. what you do. Well, just at our place many too. years ago, we all got into the garlic bread, and since then the kids are going, more garlic, more oh, garlic. So that's so that's good. how our kids yeah. got used to it. Yeah, it was marvellous. Yeah, okay, well, Pete, we're, we're all behind you today about growing the uh, the garlic for the season yeah, ahead. Thanks for your tips. Yes, indeed, mate. I'm going to go and crack some ground You're gonna over get the some weekend. Done? Get I can't some wait. going there. Nothing better than having your own garlic. Once That's you, once right. You start into a cycle, you've got it for 12 months a year, and it's really, really handy to have it yeah. in the pantry because it's not only good for your, for, the, for your health, it tastes great, it's quite medicinal as well. You can use it for, as an antibacterial. It's really good when, during the flu season if you get a flu or a cold or a cough. Crunch up a bit of garlic, have it in the meal, and it really helps with, with those things as well. And keeps the vampires <laughs> away. It does. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Peter Donnelly there uh, from the Coachwood Nursery. At Summersby. Oh, good. The Gardening Gang from Coast FM. Angel. Now, Sharon, is there... The angel of garlic somewhere? Is there a <laughs> Is patron there? saint of angels patron with garlic? garlic? I don't know. <laughs> you got Pete. some history there, huh? Got a little bit of history, yes. Now, a lot of people think that garlic is synonymous with Mediterranean, the Mediterranean area with the cooking for sure, but it actually originated in Middle Asia. And then guess who took it up from there? I would say the Romans. Well, eventually they did, Pete, but it was the Egyptians. Ah. They were very familiar with medicinal and aromatic sort of spicy plants and poisonous ones too that taken in small quantities could help them, but they really embraced garlic. Not so much for themselves or even, in, I think they might have used it in embalming. I think I've heard that somewhere. But they used to feed their slaves with garlic, lots of garlic, and they used to treat it like a vegetable because they believed it kept their slaves alive and also gave them energy. 
a lot to be said for that because we do know these days... They're very smart doctors, yeah, weren't they? they were very, very smart. So from Egypt, it then garlic sort of spread out, as it were, like like... It was on a piece of, like, nice hot garlic bread. Gosh, I feel like some now. But it went all over the world after. But the Egyptians were correct. There are lots of health benefits to garlic. We know, scientifically, we know that it regulates blood pressure and sugar levels. It strengthens your immune system. So there you go. Keep those slaves alive all those years ago. It can help prevent disease or heart disease particularly. Detoxifies the body. It's an anti-inflammatory it helps prevent and treat colds and flus. Well, that's good for this time of the year, isn't it? It improves bone health. It can lower cholesterol. Tons of antioxidants in there. We all know what that's all about. And uh, it's an anti-cancer. Well, it's known for its anti-cancer properties. Well, that is what I call the total package. It is in that little What more would you want thing. than just a chunk of garlic in your kitchen? Well, exactly. In there's, your medicine chest. Well, there's Whatever. Lo- well, there's lots of supplements out there, that's true, but they say that just eating two chopped cloves of garlic every day, fresh ones, is actually the best way to get the most from garlic. Fresh is actually best, and two chopped cloves of garlic, I don't think that's too hard to throw into your cooking. <laughs> and as you heard, and we know, look, if you have got garlic breath and you're worried about it, just feed everybody garlic or chew parsley afterwards. And the curly parsley is the best. Well, tomorrow we're taking out a few friends for uh, for lunch mm-hmm. and you've got me thinking about having garlic prawns Ooh. as the entree. The seafood restaurant, are they? Is yeah. it? They that's, still do garlic prawns. I'm not uh, quite sure. It's a fairly old sort of recipe, isn't it? You that's know? an old one. But it's but, so nice. Oh, my gosh. Isn't oh, it what? No, you've God. got... Well, I'm I sure kill. they've got garlic bread on the on the menu. <laughs> Have some of that. <laughs> okay. We're talking garlic today with the Gardening Gang. Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy on this Saturday morning. Getting away from gardening for a moment, let's talk about someone who has a great story about their achievements at yes. the Royal Easter Show. We had the Gosford Show last week, but yeah. we're going back to a previous weekend. We are. The Royal Easter. And on the line, we've got Virginia Mall from Carl Neura. From Grace Springs Farm. Hello, Virginia. I'm very excited Hi. about this. Now, Virginia, well done. <laughs> now, you've won a couple of uh, magnificent awards with uh, your cows... And there's one called McKenna and one called Harper. What good names. And why were they so special? Virginia? Uh, oh, I don't know. It all comes down to the judge on the day, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but McKenna won champion heifer at Sydney Show this year, which oh. is just such a huge achievement for such a small stud like ours. So we're very, very thrilled. And this was a, I think this pronounced the Guernsey? Guernsey? Guernsey. The Guernsey. Guernsey heifer. They're those big monster cows, aren't they? They're massive animals, I think, from memory. Are they big? I'm looking at the photographs. No, no, the Guernseys are a medium-sized breed. Oh, okay, right Mm. on. They're originally from the Channel Islands, um, and they were actually on the rare breed list a few years ago, so everyone's been working hard worldwide to try and increase the numbers. Did you raise these animals from uh, little calves, little potties, or did you... Did you come across this uh, just wandering around the paddock one day? Found <laughs> <laughs> one. Uh, no, I bred. I bred both of them. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, how many so years that... does it take to get it to a champion? Uh, McKenna was. That was actually her second birthday that she won the champion on. Oh. oh wow, that's only a couple of years old. Now I'm yeah. going to say this, Virginia. The Central Coast doesn't often get major prizes for animals at the Royal Easter. How come you guys managed to get this uh, acclaimed award? <laughs> Probably 
bit of luck on the day. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yet, look, we don't have really have dairy cattle on the coast. Yeah. Um, I grew up with my dad having the Guernsey cows mm-hmm. um, when I was young and sort of got back involved with them, I think, 2015 when someone else invited us to help down at Sydney Show. And the kids and I just got hooked again. And we got two heifers and we've just kept breeding and showing since then. Um, but just, you know, really fortuitous. We've got friends that, because it's such a small breed, everyone sort of chips in and helps each other. Mm. And um, we've had friends helping us with our breeding program. And mm. I don't know, it's probably the good soil and water up here at Kalmura grows great grass. And the girls have just thrived and done really well. Now, being girls, they're obviously milkers. Do you still draw milk each day? I've got five cows that I'm milking at the moment. Yeah. So um, McKenna and Harper, once they've calved um, in about nine, ten months, they will be milkers then as well. Okay, right. Nice. Now, apparently you've got a good story to tell me about how you got the heifers to Homebush for the show. And back again as well. <laughs> yeah, little birdies have been telling bit. us there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a drama, a bit of adventure and excitement, Virginia. <laughs> um, look, we're really blessed. We had um, a friend lend us a, a four-wheel drive and a friend lend us a horse float. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took the four-wheel drive back, so we got them down there. And then on the way home, we were actually going into the ring for judging. And my son rang and said that our farm ute had broken down oh. um, on Tucker Strait and oh, had to be towed. Tucker Strait. Oh, dear. It was a bit... Uh, messy, but between because we show with a few other families, yeah. and between us, we had a ute broken down and towed. We had a truck breakdown on the Goodness. on the Hume Highway with cows on it. We had everything that could go wrong went wrong, but we all did fantastically. So, but you bought home the ribbons. Thing. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Thing. That is that is the big achievement. Bringing home those uh, those home. blue ribbons. I think they call it the blue ribbon uh, wins, and uh, yep. that's absolutely magnificent. So, do you hope to uh, pursue? further um, results in, in next year's show, for example? We'd love to, but we'll see how we go. I'll have much younger stock next year, so yeah. probably, you know, we might be able to get some blue ribbons, but getting the big broad ribbons might be a bit trickier next year. But, yeah, look, my kids call me the crazy cow lady. I've got no plans to stop um, <laughs> breeding with my girls. Um, oh, I, I just love it. I lost my husband two and a half years ago, and oh, okay. um, the girls are just my my passion and my joy, yeah. mm-hmm. um, they're just, oh, they're just, yeah, very, very rewarding to work with them um, and especially to see them, you know, like McKenna, I actually camped out the night she was born and um, I actually had to break the sack because um, the sack oh. hasn't broken and, you know, I've seen her from that very first sort of breath all the way through and then to watch her carve and, and do it all over again, it's all incredibly rewarding. Well, it's a wonderful it's achievement, a I'm sure. Wonderful. It's fantastic. And once again, from all the gangers, uh, yeah, gardening congratulations. gangers, congratulations there. Thank you so much. Good really talking to you. It. Okay, thank you. There's Virginia Moore there from Kalnura who won big prizes at the Royal Easter this year. Thanks, Virginia. Thanks, guys, very much. It's very sweet of you. <laughs> And if you'd like to go and visit Grace Springs Farm, jump online. You can find their website, gracespringfarms.com.au. And they're actually part of the Harvest Festival as well. So you can go on a farm tour there and you might be able to meet Harper and McKenna too. And say hello to Virginia for us. Of course. Okay. All the best Absolutely. now. There's the fortunes at Coast FM. Looking at the radar, Sherilyn. Yes. Indicating the rain is actually skirting the central coast. I mean, it's coming down 
uh, through that uh, northwestern corner oh. into uh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dodging the coast at this stage. Isn't that great? Paradise. <laughs> so maybe that rainy paradise. feeling. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> overcast, but we may not see as much rain as first expected. Mm. And the forecast indicates clearing up tomorrow. Isn't that good? Lovely. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time to bring into the uh, radio studio via the phone this morning uh, the lovely What's Hot Vicky from Narara Valley Nursery to give us the lowdown and the up-down on the garden centres of the Central Coast. Good morning, Vic. Good morning, everybody. Everybody tuned into the radio station now is keen to know your opinion of the state of play in the industry. <laughs> All right. Well, Mother Earth Nursery at Point Clare have the stunning Grevillea Dorothy Gordon, even better than the creepy Pete Grevillea. <laughs> Beautiful fern grey foliage with musk pink flowers. The wildflower meadow at Erina Heights have got gorgeous bouquets of native flowers for Mother's Day. They're taking pre-orders, so call the wildflower meadow to order yours and don't miss out. Next door at Burbank House and Garden, they have chrysanthemums bursting with flowers in pink, white and yellow. And their saddle store at Mount White are having a paint-your-own-gnome workshop today at 10am. And Shamhaven Garden Centre have got 20% off ornaments, pots and plants, but getting quick because they say the sale ends soon. Isn't that magnificent? We popped up to the um, the Saddles uh, Burbank, Sheryl and we myself, did. to do a little scout out for a future radio broadcast, and we uh, got lost a bit there. We oh, came back. We came back <laughs> via the old Mooney Creek down the river. Yeah, up we did. The river. I was we were wondering where you were taking we me. We got back and we said, "Where the digging from your the... <laughs> Did you hear banjos playing in the distance? Ding <laughs> <laughs> No, yes, but I was very point. worried. I was like, "Where's Pete taking? He's going to murder me in the bush <laughs> and take over the show." <laughs> yeah. Well, that uh, leads me to ask the question: What's hot at Narara Valley Nursery this mm. week? <laughs> breathtakingly gorgeous dahlias mm. with their array of tense colour, strength and ability to keep flowering until the first frost appears. Dahlias are easy to grow and bring life to your garden and they also make the perfect mum's gift. Dahlias. Mm. You don't really hear much about dahlias, do you? They're not, not what you'd call really. one of the oh, priority they're plants. they're back in fashion. No, they oh, are really? back in fashion. They're back big, big, big. And it's the, it's the menle- menle- mm. I can never pronounce that name. The millennials. They're into them big okay. time. They were into sunflowers. There's so many colours too, them. isn't there, Cheryl? Oh, there's like, so many. So yes. many colours. I'm glad that they're back in. Yes, yes, I'm embracing it. All right, well, what's not so hot? We've just discovered what's hot, hot, hot. What's not so hot in the gardening scene? Okay, Not Hot is missing out on the Australasian Orchid Society's Orchid Show today and tomorrow. Held right here at Narara Valley Nursery, there'll be a barbecue, raffles and also orchids for sale, so don't miss out and come in and have a look. Okay, well that (laughs) sounds pretty good. Now, um, I just thought of something, you know, Vic. Being a wet day, Narara Valley Mm -hmm. Nursery do offer a special attraction, don't they? If it's we going to be wet, if, if the rain is coming down, there's a certain discount that applies, I believe. There is. If the heavens open up and it starts to rain, you can come down and we will give you 15% off all full price purchases. It's our rainy day discount, but what don't we have a discount for at Valley <laughs> Nursery? Only on you can produce days. a Medicare card at this stage and we'll give you a discount. <laughs> 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 okay, now time for the gardening gang game. Is it a fact or is it a fib? Right, here we go. Playing along at home as well, Coasties. 
let's go garlic. Why not? All right. The ancient Romans love garlic. We know that. The ancient Egyptians too, if you've been playing along all morning at home. But the ancient Greeks also valued garlic. They loved it so much. It was probably the first instance actually of, um, you know, having a little bit extra when you were running in the Olympic Games. They used to give their athletes garlic so they'd run better and get a better score in things. That's a fact. I'm giving you that one for free. But also they all loved it. They all had them. However, if you wanted to go and pray to any of the gods, you were forbidden from going into the temples if you'd eaten garlic. And they had people at the front of the temples testing and, you know, you had to breathe. And if you did, they they, they actually they turn called you back. it. They'd turn you back. They used to call garlic rank roses, you know, like the rank smell. That's what they did. So I'm asking you right now, is having smelly breath and going into worship at the feet of Zeus, is that a fact or is it a fib? Well, I've heard the term. Mm. Well, I've heard the term bit called "go g- Greek, go garlic." Um, maybe not into their churches. <laughs> so I'm going to say one. that was probably a bit of truth in there. Um. Well, they repel vampires, so I think that's a good thing when you're around your place <laughs> of worship. So I'm going to go. That's false. All right, Pete, you win this week. Absolutely <laughs> true. You were not allowed to. And they did value garlic so much, but you were forbidden entry because they were really sort of packed in there and they thought that it was offensive to the gods to smell badly. Okay. Whose job was it to sniff the breath? <laughs> <laughs> the official breath sniffer. Yes. <laughs> not a job I would be signing oh, no. up for. Not appealing. Okay, Vic, we'll... Uh, Thank you for joining us today from the Narara Valley Nursery where there's a big discount today if it's wet. If yeah. not, you pay full price, okay? <laughs> yes, <laughs> still thank a you. Thanks, Vicky. Have a good day, everybody. And thank you, Vic. Catch you again next week. Bye for now. Uh, I love the colour. What a great track there from the Beach Boys at Coast FM 963 and that's the Good Vibrations. We had a call from Margaret. Uh, Margaret lives on the Central Coast and one of our avid listeners, Sherilyn, mm. and she went on to explain that uh, she is not a great fan of garlic. That's a great fan of the gardening gang but not garlic. <laughs> not garlic. And has a separate bowl at home because the rest of the family are into it. That's what she said. I, how generous of she Margaret. She can't stand the stuff. No, she hates it. And we're like, okay, fair enough. Well, and also Lisa, who's coming on after with the uh, What's On show, mm-hmm. poked her head in to say that she has a intolerance. She's never been really, able to eat it. Only if I had once and she unfortunately had to um, yep. regurgitate. <laughs> putting That's it nicely. Put it. At home with the gardening gang. Coast FM 963. Get your hands dirty with the gardening gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Van Morrison right here at Coast FM, home of the classic hits on the Central Coast. And that, I'm in heaven, indicates we've got to do two things here. Thank our sponsors, Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs, open all this weekend at Wyoming, and Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. And thanks, guys, for your support over three years. And that's fantastic. Now, the reason the bell is ringing here, we've got, uh, you know, the Joe the Bell Ringer <laughs> has uh, got very excited about the prospect has of uh, you, oh. 
Pearl and Darcy doing today's Get Your Hands Dirty. Time to get your hands dirty, Coasties. First of all, let's go and find out what's on for garden lovers around the Central Coast. Right on Sunday the 7th of May in the afternoon. I love workshops that are in the afternoon. You can get all your stuff done in the morning. There's a dried flower workshop at Coachwood Nursery at Summersby from 3 to 5pm. You get to take home a gorgeous flower arrangement that you create on the day. Every single thing is supplied. Just bring along along your own drink bottle and a box to take home your creation and a pen and paper for taking down your notes because there's so much to learn. Ruth Donnelly there, yes, wife of Peter that we had on earlier in the show, is a registered an amazing florist as well. It's on rain, hail or shine and it's up at the Coachwood Nursery on Wiseman's Ferry Road at Summersby. For tickets and more information, jump onto coachwoodnursery.com. Coming up as well for cacti and succulent lovers, there's a big sale on on Saturday the 13th of May. It's at the Charmhaven Hall and that's at... um Chumhaven, of course. Get along there from 9am to 1pm and you'll be able to buy the most amazing cacti and succulents. It's been put on by the Cacti and Succulent Club of the Central Coast. So you'll also be able to find out more about that club. Fantastic time for those who love cacti and succulents. Right, so what can you do in your garden this weekend? Rain isn't coming down like we thought, so get out there and plant because that rain that does come along will get all of these goodies going for you. First of all, of course, colouring herbs. We can do that year round on the Central Coast. Very lucky. Beetroot, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, carrots, cauliflower, chicory, cress, endives, kohlrabis, leeks, lettuces, mustard, onions, parsnips. Your peas can go in too at the moment. Sweet peas, the flower can also go in still, but you better hurry up. Time is running out. Radishes can go in. Also shallots, silver beets, spinach, spring onions, swedes, turnips and garlic as well, of course. You can also put in calendula, candy tufts, carnations, columbines, cone flowers, that's echinacea, delphinium's Go in now. Love those delphiniums. Dianthus, everlasting daisies, forget-me-nots. Foxgloves can go in. Gypsophila and also nigellas, pansies, polyanthus, poppies, all the poppies, that is. Primulas, snapdragons, status, stock. I said sweet peas, but also all the violas can go in and time is running out, but you can still put in Pete's favourite, the wallflowers. You've been doing wallflowers now for about three months. Are they that yeah, flexible, yeah, are they? Yeah, you can sort of put them in there. And spring flowering bulbs, of course, can still be going in, but we're also running out of time for that as well. So check with what you've got. I know a lot of people like to sort of hold them back a little bit so they get a nice growing period, but uh, check when that's And don't way. forget, when you do get your hands dirty, give them a wash after. <laughs> Or wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Who to say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> this FM is the Gold King right here at Coast FM. That is Smackwater Jack at 26 minutes after 9 o'clock on the Saturday morning. Mother's Day, Cheryl. Just come Ooh, to mind. Yes. Two weeks' time. It is. It is. And what sort of flowers do you like to receive on this day of uh, merriment? <laughs> And uh, pleasurable activities for mums. Look, I am a big sucker for Aussie natives. Love them. Really? Absolutely. Love. Yeah, I love bouquets of Australian natives. Mm. Prefer them fresh, but, you know, dries okay. And you can't go past a lovely, fresh bunch of daisies either. I, I've just got a thing about them. They make me happy. I see them. They make me smile. Particularly the little mountain daisies, the little tiny ones. So well, there with you go. the passing of Dame Edna Everidge mm-hmm. last week, of course, the Gladdy. Uh, an yes. often, you know, panned product. 
uh, pan. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'll come back into fashion again. Look, they you know, dahlias of well, <laughs> dahlias, are, are back in again, as we heard before. So they could do. You can't plant them quite yet. They're a spring planting flower, but they're they're beautiful, and they're actually. I was born in August, and they're the birth flower of August. So people who who like this, I like them. They're a great feature, especially when you plant them en masse as the background of something. They mm-hmm. they sit up there, and they're they're very very pretty. I I do like them. Well, maybe we can start a keep the gladi alive. Keep the gladi. I was thinking they might come back into fashion with the passing of uh, beautiful Mr. Barry. Well, Mr. Barry is past us. Oh, we've also got a segment coming up soon with Mr. Barry. As you call it. One of his parts he played, Mr. Barry Humphreys, of course. Yes. He passed away early last week, or this week. And um, they're talking about actually having a big uh, state funeral for him in Victoria. It will be Victoria. They were sort of saying... I was, on a, I was a, on a plane with him once in Kamal. I think I told you this, flying back from Melbourne. No. And Barry was hilarious. He turned around and he said to... Well, I was across the aisle from him and he said, well, if this plane goes down, you'll all be famous. That's what he said. And Kamal boomed with laughter. He was like... He just laughed. And then that's when I thought he was so lovely. <laughs> what a good line. And we've also got a segment good. of one of his characters coming up very, very soon when we're talking about the pets because he had a great, very good gag he told about buying his mum a dog. And that'll be coming up soon in the Garden Yang as well. Kincumber Pools Plot. Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy. Now, pet uh, vet nurse Tanya's on the line. Now, we're talking right. about interacting with your pet and uh, recently I saw I, somebody was uh, playing with their pet and the pet was quite lavishly licking their face. Ooh. And I thought, oh, I don't feel comfortable about that. <laughs> oh, Tanya, so should we let our dogs and cats and whatever else, I don't know, your parrot lick your face? I, I say oh. no. Sailor does not lick my face. It's no kisses. Oh, look, the answer is no. For hygiene reasons, I guess no. But for affection, I'm going to say yes. Oh, I thought you said for protection, <laughs> for affection. Oh, I see. Now I've got you. Okay. Oh, Tanya, yes, hang on. Does Levi lick your face? Be honest. Oh, he does. Oh. He does, yeah. See, here's my thing, he Tanya does. and Pete. They lick their backsides. And does that worry you, Tanya? Okay, <laughs> I agree. I agree. You don't know where their mouth has been. So this is how I should answer. You don't know where their mouth has been. And, yes, there, there's definitely bacteria, especially if they've got dental disease and that sort of thing. Absolutely not. How about <laughs> um, no teeth? However... <laughs> However, there's not that many zoonotic diseases that you can catch from their mouth. Salmonella, maybe, but it's not common. Mind mm. you, we did have a puppy with salmonella in the hospital the other day, but oh. that was because he was on a that was because he was on a raw food diet. Oh, the raw, yeah. food, raw foodies out there. Mm. Um, no, look, yeah, I should be answering no. It, it's not hygienic. You don't know where their mouth has been. They certainly do lick their bottoms. Um, <laughs> some dogs eat poop. They do, not dogs. mine. Cats will lick your face to show you that, that you're part of their family. It's a very nurturing thing for a cat to do because not all cats do it. What a mother cat does to her kittens. So for a cat to lick your face, it just shows you it's that. It's a connection, yeah. You, mm. It's very, very, very much. So yep. dogs lick a lot. Cats, they cats, do. Uh, cats don't lick as much. So right. it's, it's actually a cat saying they're part of your family. You're part of their family. They trust you. It, it's different. 
when uh-huh. dogs lick, dogs dogs lick more often, but it is still very much a it is more so a love thing. I think I know the answer to this one, Tanya. But dogs won't sleep with you unless they're completely trusting and at ease with you because they're pack animals and they like to be on alert so they'll go and sleep somewhere else. But if they completely love you and trust you, they'll fall asleep in your bed. So on that note, is it okay to sleep with a dog or even a cat in your bed? I, I think it's beautiful. You're probably asking the wrong person. <laughs> like, this is something I probably should be a little bit more... I mean, I'm a vet nurse and I've always had... I've had an animal sleeping in my bed pretty much my whole life, I think. My feelings have got the better of me on this one. Uh, I, yes. I mean, I know, I know <laughs> what I should say, but I know how I feel. Now, before we finish up today, I've found a little clip here to pay tribute to Barry Humphreys who passed away in the course of the week. And one of the characters he played was Les Patterson, a most revolting, <laughs> most revolting Aussie politician. Check this one out because it does have a relevance to our pets. My wife, I gave her a dog last Christmas to keep her company. She's as lonely as buggery, my wife. And uh, I bought her this dog and she called me up a couple of months ago and she said, Les, a dog doesn't respond to my whistle anymore. My wife would whistle, the dog would come to her because she whistles naturally. She's always had a loose denture. <laughs> the dog, she said, I'm whistling, the dog hasn't moved. What should I do? I said, go along to the vet. Oh, I better still just go to the chemist and buy some of that stuff in a tube that takes the hair off a depilatory. Because I said, you better get it because the dog's got hair in the sea. That's right, I can't hear you whistling. So you get the cream. So she said she went to the chemist and he said, well, look, before she could say anything, he said, if you're using it on your legs, plenty of soap and water because it's caustic. And he said, if it's for the armpits, more soap and water. And if you're using it on your face, Lady Patterson, really, you better wash it off quick. She said, well, actually, it's for my schnauzer. He said, in that case, he said, don't ride a bike for a fortnight. That's what he said. But... <laughs> it's the Gardening Gang with Pete and Sherilyn here at Coast FM. <laughs> FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy here for a Saturday morning. It's the Gardening Gang. Time for the property report. Our very good friend Lachlan McDonald from Raywide McDonald Partners. And today, Lachlan, if it's okay with you, we're going to try and bust open a few of those myths, the top four myths of real estate in 2023 as published today. Are you ready to myth bust, my friend? I'm ready. Let's go for it. All right. I've got the myth list number one. Winter is a bad time to sell. I'm going to say it's a good time to sell. Oh, a good time. I would say it's a bad time. I'll go against the grain there. What do you think there, Lachlan? What's the the gear? Oh, Pete, as usual, ever wise there, you're on the right track. Winter is actually a really good time because there's less properties on the market. A lot of people shy away from selling in winter, and that means that the bulk of the buyers are looking at less properties, so it's good for your hunt. Okay. Busted. Well, busted. <laughs> I didn't know I was so smart. You are. Myth busted. <laughs> okay, myth number two. All right, myth number two is you should sell your current home before looking for a new one. Well, being a fairly conservative person, I'd say yay. 
I don't mm. think I'd like to be copying a whole bunch of, um, shall we say, interim uh, interest. Right. In bridging, I think they call it bridging interest, if I couldn't find something immediately. So you wouldn't even go looking for one? Mm, a looking, looking only, I think. Okay. Yeah. Lachlan. Pete, Pete I, I reckon, again, you're on the right track. Oh. Looking before you sell uh, only leads to disappointment in a lot of cases because very rarely can you get your property ready for sale and sold in time to buy one that you've seen on the market. So usually it's far better to sell your property, know exactly what you've got in terms of price, what you're dealing with, mm -hmm. um, and it may be better than you expected, in which case, you know, then you go out and start shopping. A lot it. of people who have been homeowners are really shy of renting again, even for six months, but it's such a smart decision because it gives you then the pressures off you can, you've sold your home and you can be ready to pounce on the right property. And I guess while things aren't uh, elevating, in, I'm very afraid, I guess why things, uh, and, I, and I guess while uh, the prices aren't going crazy uh, month after month like it was last year, it's a pretty smart decision there. Okay, okay so not a myth. That wasn't a myth then, so that was true. Well, okay. true. All right, so myth number three, Pete. Ready. Okay, if you set a high price... You'll have more room to bargain. Oh, that will be a da I think that's dangerous. Do you? Yeah, I you think that's a bit of a myth. Scare people away. Mm. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely a myth. It's a common misconception uh, because what you end up doing is you, you don't attract the interest in the first place. And to bargain, you need to have someone to bargain with. So the much better way to do it is to set a price that you're confident that buyers will engage with and use a sale method that encourages competition between buyers. That's how you get the price, not by asking for it. Oh, so an auction. Let's go. <laughs> can be an auction. It can be, you know, um, like expressions of interest. It can just be a, a normal private treaty, but with a price guide sort of strategy where you, you're encouraging interest oh. and offers from buyers. Lots mm -hmm. of options. Right. Well, thanks, mate. Now, we're doing the top four myths of 2023 in terms of real estate buying and selling. Now, Sheldon, I think we're under, up to number four, are yeah, we? Yeah, last one. Here, here we is, go. Here it is. Here we Proximity to schools doesn't matter if you don't have kids. Well, I would hate to live near a school. <laughs> no matter if I, I had kids or it. not. <laughs> but, I, but I suppose... In my case, anyway. But perhaps maybe it's better to buy near a school for lots of other reasons. So, Lachlan... Yeah, we find it really funny that people will think about what they need and not about resale. But yet when you're going to buy a car, everyone's always thinking about resale value. Mm. And it's the same with homes. You've got to think about if I come to sell this home later, what's going to give me the largest market for it? And if you are near schools, it means you open up to families, you open up to a larger market. So being near schools is never a bad thing. Ah, well, there it is. The uh, the top recently published the top four myths of buying or selling real estate in the current environment. Um, I think we could uh, pursue a few more one day. I think Cheryl. so. Lachlan's mm. given us a lot of clarity. Thanks, Lachlan. Thank you, Lachlan. I was going to say, guys, maybe we can do some Central Coast specific myths in the future. Oh. Oh. Okay, like uh, find out if suburbs that start with S are popular oh. with school teachers <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Well, uh, if you know what I mean. Ah. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Have a nice weekend. Thanks, Lachlan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Lachlan McDonald there from Ray White McDonald Partners. The property report from Coast FM this morning. When you... Sherilyn, good morning to you. Thank you for your time today. What's on the program next week? Well, we're going to... Uh, what's talk, happening? Well, what's happening? How to attract pollinators. We're all very concerned about our honeybees and also our native bees. So we'll have some ideas on how to attract and look after them in our gardens and for the rest of the world as well. And I've got to say, it's very important to have bees in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not just in <laughs> nice life, bees. in the world. Yes, it is. It is. otherwise, well, what? What, what, we can't eat. What happened? Well, no bees, no food, no nothing food, no people, no grow. nothing. That's it, nothing. We need okay. our pollinators. So it's not just bees. We'll be talking lots of different pollinators next week. Coast FM.